welcome to Podcasting the Parables, a year-long project of St. James Episcopal Church. St. James is a vibrant faith community in the Lake Highlands area of Dallas, Texas. My name is Jonathan Melton, joined by Jared Ferris, and we are glad that you are here. Welcome to the podcast. Um, this is Podcasting the Par- Parables episode. What are we at, Jared? Season two. Episode Season two. One. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're starting a new while continuing. Season two, episode one, in which we keep the name Podcasting the Parables. It's great. But we kind of retire last year's conversation of the, of the parables. I th- we, we've, we've graduated? We graduated. We get certificates. Yes, Sophie is actually printing them now. Excellent. So last year we looked at the parables of Jesus, one a month roughly, with friends, and we considered how we, as a faith community here at St. James, if you listen to this elsewhere, the community of faith you're a part of. The I, mean, I think I think uh, the parables, the living parables, can happen in all shapes and sizes for sure. But it is important that we do it together. We're not left alone. Um, So we can be invited to live lives of faith together, a parable of faith or a parable of friendship, a parable of love, which gets you off the hook for having all the answers or fixing the every trouble of the world and just, just asks you to live in a way that can be slightly confusing to the world around you. Just like Jesus gets asked a question, he doesn't give a straight up answer. He tells a story um, that is slightly confusing to those around him and invites them to imagine that more might be possible. So for us to here at St. James, we seek to live to be a parable of community, a parable of friendship, a parable of outreach, a parable of love, a parable of witness to, to Jesus, just, just to each day at a time, one day at a time, be just confusing enough to make folks say, huh, maybe, maybe more is possible in this life. Well, and it's interesting to go back and listen to all of the episodes, not that... Did you? Well, I, I, I Don't I lie. So I listened to every episode because I, I edit loosely some and and then upload but to go back and and uh, either look through the titles or maybe uh, listen to a few seconds here and there and remember um those moments whether it was around this table doing the podcast or if it was telling the story of something going on in the life of the church but those moments where the kingdom of god was presented in a new and and different way um, whether that was, uh, you know, the memory of, of Julia holding the goat at Bonton Farms this past summer mm-hmm. and, and seeing a, uh, a faith community gathered outside of the walls of the church, um, just um, experiencing the city that they call home in a new way. Um, but just so many little snapshots of, of those moments um, that I think you, you captured really well in your... Uh, slideshow from from the annual meeting just a few weeks ago. Oh, thanks. That was fun. I love pictures. Yeah, and it was it was helpful. We talked about this a little bit as staff too, 
in with the vestry, helpful to have intervals and natural rhythms in the life of a year at the end of a year to kind of pause and look back a little bit because, um, and, and that's not just for like churches, right? That's good for individuals, families, anybody to, to have set aside times, regular set aside times to reflect and say, what was that? Um, cause you get up, you brush your teeth, you eat your breakfast, you take your kids to whatever, if you, if you've got kids to take to whatever, and you do these days one at a time, if you're lucky, you get to live weeks of purpose and months, but, um, but really taking stock of how they all connected for you or what God showed you over the course of some weeks or months unfolding takes a little bit of, um, making space for, I find. So we had a really good, a, a good year exploring the parables. Yes. And as you pointed out, Jared, it kind of primed our imaginations to imagine what we do a little differently. We don't come just to, to hear about the story of God. We hear about, uh, we hear about the story of God, uh, to be shaped by the story of God and to know ourselves as a part of the story of God. And so it's less kind of dissecting gospels uh, like a science experiment that's separate from us and more um, discovering ourselves again in light of God's love for us. This year, we very much continue with that momentum with our new theme, but our, our theme for this year is at the table together at the table together, um, which like the parables invites us, we're going to be looking at different passages from the scriptures, but also reflecting on sort of the analogs or extensions in the, the lives we lead and the lives we share. So I did a little bit of informal Bible study or research, um, mostly like Bible gateway search. Does that count as Bible study? Absolutely. If you provide your references. Yeah. So I, I looked up at the table and it occurs, that phrase occurs just like that. There are other tables in the scriptures, but that phrase at the table provided as a context for something, usually in the life of Jesus, but not always, happens like 15 times in the scriptures. Mm. And uh, it's just a great reminder that like when we go about our days and we're maybe looking for the heavens to open, the dove to descend, like that only happens twice in the scriptures. But God is showing up at the table, um, Jesus with friends, Jesus with strangers, Jesus with enemies, Jesus with family. That happens all the time. Yeah. And so we want to take a year to kind of slow down and explore some of the details of those in episodes to come. And then also just kind of consider, um, I mean, it's not a huge leap for liturgical traditions like the Episcopal Church. We have a table at the center of our life together. Every time we get together, there's a service, a liturgy of the word, the scripture kind of culminating with the, the proclamation of the word through the sermon and the prayers. And then there's a liturgy of the table. And that's after the, the peace and the offertory. We uh, lift up our hearts, receive broken bread and, and wine poured out. Uh, we receive the body and blood of Jesus. And... That's the table that God is, is hosting. We're not hosting. I'm, uh, clergy sure are not hosting. We're like waiters at best. Uh, but, but that's the, the table Christ hosts. And that table for us is meant to shape all the other tables. So that's what we'll kind of look at in the year ahead. Um, Jared, have you had in the, the week and a half or so since we kind of first rolled out that intention direction. Have you had thoughts about the table and how we are shaped as Christians by it? Uh, well, I, 
I was reminded whenever you were talking about it, I was reminded of a um, there was a, a podcast by the comedian Pete Holmes who has kind of a faith religious background. Yeah, yeah. And um, he was interviewing um, Michael Gunger, who's a uh, a musician um, and is a, a a spiritually minded person. And um, Michael has gone through a series of deconstruction and reconstruction and all sorts of thing with his faith um, was talking about his struggle with um, through his struggle of his, his faith through a faith crisis that he had about the um, the the Last Supper and how that has been um, somehow in some circles elevated above any sort of other table um, mm. and and just the way that he he phrased the question, um, he's like, "What if Jesus came down and said, I was having dinner with my friends, like, and yeah. I, I was saying, you know, you're you're talking about blood and body, and and you thought that's what it was about? It's just it's the community, it's the gathering of, of people together, and 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 the, that that's what the body of Christ is. And I don't know that I necessarily think that it's." one or the other. I think it's, it's both. And it's the reminder right. that, that, that at the table that we gather, um, for communion, for the Eucharist, um, that that is a holy place. And when, uh, when the cast your faith guys go out and, and, um, gather around a campfire and share a meal and discussions that that's a holy place and that, that we're, we're being invited into these holy places wherever we gather. No, absolutely. And there, there is, I, I kind of have some, a, a part of me really empathizes with the, the comedian Pete, you're talking about Pete Holmes, with his, I remember when I was six years old, getting ready for First Communion, being told it was a really important thing to discern the body. Um, and I'm six, and so I'm looking at the wafer they're putting in my hand during the class, and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm squeezing my eyeballs. I'm like, I am discerning the heck out of this bread like Jesus. I, I believe you are present to this in, in some way uh, that is mysterious. But, and then, then you go back into like the, Paul's letter to, letters to the Corinthians and where they're not discerning the body. Um, yes, there's a, an element of like believing Christ is present in, the, in a mysterious way, but discerning the body means like seeing the other people around you. Right. Um, you got some who are getting drunk and some who aren't getting any yeah. and into, um, so I, I think you're absolutely spot on Jared. that there's an element of both the, the, the idea that we're being given each other as we are given Christ. Um, there, there's no sort of either or necessitated or, or implied, um, but to belong to God, we get to discover our belonging to each other. So that's, that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing, um, going back. I mean, one of the first tables I think of when I just, I mean, the last supper you mentioned is like the big table, right? but like the, the travelers on the road to Emmaus, yeah. big table, um, kind of this revelation. You begin to see like the Eucharistic language, um, invoked explicitly there, uh, be known to us, Lord Jesus, and the breaking of the bread, uh, which becomes one of the early prayers of the church. Um, all, all kinds of tables, all kinds of friendship. That the, this idea that the gospel in miniature is um, is that we are made friends of of 
God in Christ Jesus. And, and God's delight is to share a meal with his friends. And we're going to continue to invite friends to join us on this podcast. Yeah. To join us around this table or whatever table. Maybe we'll have another remote. We should do remote. And we've, we've talked about one of the, one of the episodes this year. Um, we don't believe it or not. We do not, um, tediously, meticulously plot out the whole year in advance. I know that will come as a surprise to many of our listeners, uh, as polished as we come across many times. Well, we have what, two hours preparation for this? Yeah. Uh, by that, I mean, about two hours ago, we said, hey, we should record one of these? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Definitely. No, it, it, like, I thought you were going to get into some of the re- uh, relativity of time or something there, but no. It's a flat circle. Flat circle. But this year we do, we are very much um, going to recruit the children and youth one yeah. Sunday after after church to, to get some their collective young voices together. And if you've been listening for a while and been like, Hey, I'd love to like, I've got a thought to share, like call us up. We'd love it. We'd love to engage you largely when, when you just hear me and Jared, it usually is like, Hey, we want to keep the conversation going rather than thinking through all the logistics of getting the perfect person in place and, and that kind of stuff. But we, we love your voices both on air and off air and the conversations that we're able to share together. So, uh, so that's the direction for this year ahead. We're going to be looking at, at the table together, looking at the different tables of scriptures and the tables of our own lives. Um, and just to kind of get us thinking about the importance of tables, uh, Jared, I printed off some things from a spiritual author we both um, know and, and has been a, a big influence in, for me in my life, Henry Nouwen hmm. or Henri Nouwen. Um, and... He was a Catholic priest. He lived in the Larche community, which was a community of folks, the community started by Jean Vanier um, and in, in France and then later in other places. And uh, Henri Nouwen, a uh, spiritual writer living in this community, Larche is a community of folks able-bodied and with men- mental and physical challenges and um, living as equals together in community a beautiful life, a simple life, and a a profound life. And he reflected a lot on tables. He would talk about, you know, as a priest going into people's homes and someone would say he would be there to like bring communion or to share a conversation blessing. He's the one bringing social life to someone who is isolated and dependent. So he has sort of power, they have need, he, they have questions, he has answers. And he found that dynamic like really unsatisfying, but like, how do you get out of it? It just felt like it was a part of the structure and package of things. And he realized there was a huge gift. Whenever he would come in, someone would say, would you like a glass of water or tea or coffee or whatever, a Coke? And uh, he didn't need anything. He had just come from one. And he learned that there was a profound shift that happened in the encounters Every time he said yes, hmm. every time the appointment became a table right. when there were gifts being shared in both directions. And I find that just through my own experience to be like very true. I remember going to uh, a 90 something year old uh, 
friend's house. Uh, it was not a house. It was an assisted living center. This is back about 15 years ago. And um, she was explaining to me that as an assisted living center, she was mindful that this was probably the last place she would ever call home um, at her age and what the intention of the facility and all that kind of stuff. And she was confessing to me that she felt kind of depressed about that fact. Um, but this was not a depressed person. She was a person who was situationally wrestling with processing this, this big shift in her life. Anyway, she offered me a Dr. Pepper. And remembering Henri Nouwen, I said, sure, I'll take it to Dr. Pepper. And then she said, she looked at me with a little glint in her eye. And she said, would you like some ice cream with that? And I was like, sorry? She's like, would you like an, a Dr. Pepper float? Well, I grew up in Dallas. I'm no fool. I'm not going to say no to a Dr. Pepper float. Uh, so I said yes. And I was given a Dr. Pepper float. About that time, her housekeeper came in the door. And she's like, would you also like a Dr. Pepper float? And she said, yes, obviously. And then she went, uh, my friend across the hallway to the door next to her, and she knocked on a couple doors. Would you also like a Dr. Pepper float? And the next thing you knew, it was, it was like this, this meditation, existential meditation on being the, alone, the last place she's going to look. She had turned it into like a sorority party yeah. with, with all these friends gathered. And it was, it was in the giving and receiving of, of Dr. Pepper and ice cream which is probably not going to pass as a communion shift. So don't get too like excited friends, but uh, just a reminder again, that the same, what we're learning at the table of the Lord is meant to transform all the other tables. And that it, it was all to her credit that day, but my good sense to say yes to the offer of Dr. Pepper came from Henri Nouwen. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to share just a couple of quotes he has about it. Um, let's see. I want to start with this one. The table is one of the most intimate places in our lives. It is there that we give ourselves to one another. When we say, take some more, let me serve you another plate. Let me pour you another glass. Don't be shy. Enjoy it. We say a lot more than our words express. We invite our friends to become part of our lives. We want them to be nurtured by the same food and drink that nurtures us. We desire communion. Every breakfast, every lunch or dinner, can become a time of growing communion with one another. He says to, when someone gives us a watch, but we never wear it, the watch is not really received. When someone offers us an idea, but we do not respond to it, that idea is not truly received. When someone introduces us to a friend, but we ignore him or her, that friend does not feel well received. Receiving is an art. It means allowing the other to become part of our lives. It means daring to become dependent on the other. It asks for the inner freedom to say, without you, I wouldn't be who I am. Receiving with the heart is therefore a gesture of humility and love. So many people have been deeply hurt because their gifts were not well received. Let us be good receivers. In other words, friends, take the Dr. Pepper. And then finally, uh, he says, when we break bread and give it to each other, fear vanishes and God becomes very close. Hmm. What do you think? Is he onto something? Yeah, I think so. It was causing me to remember specific tables in my life that have had sometimes specific tables in specific places. Um, when Hank was younger, 
and um, coming to school here at uh, St. James. Um, we would do Donut Fridays at Hypnotic Donuts, and there was one specific table that he wanted to sit by at because it was next to the donut mirror and the Batman picture on the wall with the donut. What, sorry, what is a donut mirror? It's a mirror. Yeah. But the frame of the mirror is a donut. Okay. The actual mirror itself is only the size of a donut hole, so it's not really practical as a mirror. Gotcha. But to a three- and four-year-old that he was at the time, it was the perfect mirror because it was 80% donut. Yeah. And it was a wall decor. And so now whenever I go to LDU Coffee next door or if I happen to stop into Hypnotic Donuts, um, which I don't often, it's a memory to me to see the donut mirror on the wall with the table in front of it. Or um, to be reminded of the table at my grandmother's house that we either, whether it was a family gathering and it became the children's table, the one in the kitchen there, or if it was the, the beloved time that I spent um, in summers growing up one-on-one with her to where I would, um, she would put you to work all day mm. doing in the yard or the shop or whatever else. And, and your reward was that you could stay up as late as you wanted and she would cook you whatever you wanted to eat. And, um, and so either way, whether it was gathered with family or just one-on-one, um, going back to that house now, um, especially now that she's passed, um, it's just one of those places that beautiful memories are made around kind of the simple, um, the ordinary tasks of life. Yeah. Yeah, and to, to sit down at the tables to, is to, like, signal, like, I'm willing to be present to the ordinary with you. Yeah. Right? Because, like, if you were just about getting a thing done or transactional, you declined the, the offer. I, re- I remember sometimes my dad would take us over to Granny's house, and she'd say, hey, can I get you a Dr. Pepper or something? Uh, he'd look at his watch. He knew he needed to get us home before Mom had dinner ready or he would be in trouble a second way. So you'd like to decline the invitation is to like protect your own time. So, right. um, yeah, it, it's calling to mind something I hadn't anticipated sharing, but with you, uh, bringing that up, Jared, um, it, it seems right. Henri Nouwen said, said one more time, he said more and more, the desire grows in me simply to walk around, greet people, enter their homes, sit on their doorsteps, play ball, throw water and be known as someone who wants to live with them. Yeah. To be known as someone who wants to live with them. It's a privilege to have the time to practice the simple ministry of presence. Still, it is not as simple as it seems. My own desire to be useful, to do something significant, or to be part of some impressive project is so strong that soon my time is taken up by meetings, conferences, study groups, and workshops that prevent me from walking the streets. It is difficult not to have plans not to organize people around an urgent cause and not to feel that you are working directly for social progress. But I wonder more and more if the first thing shouldn't be to know people by name, to eat and drink with them, to listen to their stories and tell your own, and to let them know with words, handshakes, and hugs that you do not simply like them, but truly love them. So love is being willing to be surrendered in time with another, maybe. And that's what God does in Christ with us. Well, speaking of tables and imagining, I love how 
the the speaking of tables led you to imagine particular tables in your life, Jared. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping maybe the folks listening have imagined a table or two that has been transformative for them. We have some tables uh, coming up concretely in the life of St. James with Lent approaching. But wherever you are listening to this, uh, we're getting close to that season in the Christian year called Lent, which is a, a time to come together, a time to... Uh, for some who have wandered off from a life, uh, the life of faith to return to the community of faith or just to be rekindled in faith, a time to grab a few others for, for prayer or other things, a time to be gathered around the table. And we were talking earlier about a couple of versions of the table we wanted to share, the first of which is the pancake supper that for us, I know that sounds like, does that, does that sound like a shameless plug? No, not at all. I think Shrove Tuesday is a, a tradition that is, is worth keeping and celebrating and, and inviting people to. Can I share one of my favorite Shrove Tuesday stories? Only if I can after. Okay. No, you go first. No. Okay. So my Shrove Tuesday story, I don't like pancakes. You know this. I gripe about it every year. I'm, I'm changing. I don't like poorly made pancakes. Ours are not poorly made here. They're really good. So they're light and fluffy. Um, but last year, John Page, who has since um, gone, died and, go, and gone into our, our Lord's nearer presence, um, quiet, gentle man, flagged me down at, the, at my first pancake supper here at St. James, invited me to his table and told me to open a box that only got, he said, he's, first he said Linda's wife was bringing the box. Then when the box got there, he slid it across the table and he told me to open it. And inside he had gourmet syrups. And this struck me as like the most weird and beautiful thing ever. I was like, John, what's, what's with the syrups? He's like, don't drink that, or don't, don't, nobody's drinking syrup. It uh, wasn't that crazy a party. He said, don't eat the syrup that they put out in the pitchers. That stuff is trash. I have, and sure enough, I'm looking at the labels. He has like a bourbon syrup. He has uh, organic maple. He's got this other one that has been smoked or something. He's like, try each one. Take take some time with it. And it was it was this gift of simple presence, completely right. Because like if you are if you are being present to your friend's instructions about syrups, and you are being asked to deeply consider each of the syrups as applied to these pancakes. Um, and if your friend is giving them that you're receiving, you're doing all the things that Henri Nouwen would love. And, and it was, uh, just complete delight and joy for him. And then he would, he told me, he's like, you need to go around to the other tables and tell them that they're invited to stop by our table to get some of these syrups. Oh, so he wasn't holding back. No, no, I mean, it was, it was by invitation, but it was like, it was very much a gospel kind of thing. It was right. It's like, it's an invitation to share the invitation. Right. And, and so I'd go to the a table and I'd say like, Hey, John Page has sent me to tell you that there are better syrups <laughs> and you are welcome at our table. And so they would come and they, and they'd be like, sure enough. And it was like this delightful, this really delightful moment was that I shared at the beginning of the story, uh, John has since died yeah. and his son-in-law, Anthony, uh, flagged me down at, at a church event the other day and said, Hey, we know the pancake supper is coming up. I wanted to run something by you. Um, we wanted to buy, cause I had told them that story. We had remembered that story at John's funeral and, uh, 
and it, it was just very much of John, the generosity, the desire to get people together in his home, uh, at table, friendship, fellowship, all that stuff. He's like, we've got some gourmet syrups coming and I'm really hoping you're going to say yes to letting us uh, serve those at the pancake supper. And I started tearing up and I was like, of course. Yeah. Like I, it was, it was already on my mind that this pancake supper was going to feel flat not being able to name or somehow celebrate the the generosity that John had made known in his his absurd uh, syrup collection. At that that day, I remember with his syrups, I was like, John, what else do you uh, use these syrups for? These gourmet syrups you collect in this really nice box. Um, and he looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, just this. And I was like, what? It's a once a year syrup. It's a once a year syrup. He's not going to do anything with it till next year. And that's, that's love. That's joy. That's, um, that's being present to a moment. So, so this pancake supper, uh, which is going to be the 13th, the 13th, the 13th, my mama's birthday. Shout out mom. Also shout out Deacon Phil. They share, I, I learned that yesterday. They share the same birthday. So, uh, from five 30 to seven 30, anyone can come. You can come for part. You can come for the whole thing. It's going to be fun. There's no strings. It's just goodness. Um, anyway, we're going to have special courtesy of the page family. Um, we're going to, we're going to have gourmet syrups in honor of John and, uh, it's going to be a wonderful celebration. Uh, so that is a table of fellowship, a table just because it is pancakes and friends. Like it's, it's a table purposely without purpose Yeah. in that, in that now in sense of being present and, um, and it's one less dinner than you have to make on your own. So like, let's be real. Would you rather like come up with something you have to cook Tuesday night right? or just like come out and let dinner be on us and, and share some fellowship with friends. So that's my pancake story. What's your, what's your story, Jared? Oh, it was, um, maybe two years ago on Shrove Tuesday when there was a, like a crazy ice storm, the, the snow apocalypse of whatever year it was, but it was whenever there were all the power outages around. And for some reason, our house did not lose power. Um, it did for, um, for my in-laws, uh, for Andy's grandmother, for her brother, family. And um, on about the second or third day, um, when they realized that power was not going to be restored for a little while, they all made the trek out to Rockwall to uh, bunk down with us. And so there were oh, wow. probably, I think there were 12 of us in the house, what's normally a house of three. It was a house of 12. And it just happened to be that Shrove Tuesday was during this and um, so we got to share the tradition and have pancakes because pancakes are an easy meal to cook for a lot of people. Yeah. It worked out really well. And so um, Andy's grandmother, who's since passed, um, and with grandchildren and, and children and great-grandchildren all kind of gathered together around um, the table in our dining room, which was one of the first times that we really used the dining room it was right after we had moved in. And so it was just one of those beautiful moments where um, what could have been a loss was something that we would have never expected or, or anticipated or, or had, if not for a freak ice storm in, or yeah. a snowstorm. And so it was just one of those fun memories. That is fun. In, in witnessing like, 
the importance of being present to what is. There's yeah. so, so much in that story that could have been like lamented, like, well, this went wrong, this went wrong. <clears throat> but to be able to say a lot of things went wrong and there was still an opportunity for this beautiful thing y'all found. And I had to explain to um, all of our family that I didn't actually know what Shrove meant or why we say Shrove or I had no clue. Shrove, shriving, shriven, like I get them all mixed up. But the idea is you're supposed to be emptying your kitchen. Right. You're supposed to be having your last bit of fun so that you get to Lent with, <clears throat> without all the goodies in there. Yeah. Um, which leads us to a, a conversation about the second table or, or sets of tables, set of tables. Um, Lent historically in the life of the church has been used by the church as a time to uh, restore folks who had kind of wandered off, uh, but also to prepare the baptized or prepare for baptism, those who desired it and prepare confirmands and others as a time of getting people ready to enjoy the table of the Lord, that Holy communion table. And so, uh, if you were, had wandered off, you could come back. If you hadn't wandered somewhere, you, you still probably, if you're human had the experience of, um, benefiting from intentional focusing or recentering. Yeah. And to, to kind of take that reflective step back and say, what is it all about? What, what is, uh, what is the gift of Christ's mercy for? How does it find a home in my life? Um, am I living in a way that keeps me open to that and directed toward that pointing to it? Um, are there parts of my life that, I would like to reorient or, or reshift for, and that, that's what the season of Lent, kind of where it finds its um, gravity, its orbit, its momentum is towards the, the promise of this banquet table that we will kind of fully realize on, at the Easter vigil and Easter. So it's not too soon uh, for each of us and as communities to be thinking, how are we going to make use of that time that we're given as we prepare for um, a reacclimation. Maybe that's not the right word, but, but um, a re-celebration of this table that is the center of the Christian's life together. Um, we will have some, some communal ways here at St. James to practice rhythms. We're going to be anticipating the table with Wednesday night dinners, and those will be at 5.30. They are completely agendaless. Right. The gift is that being present in community. At five beforehand, a small group of folks would go over to the church every every Wednesday during Lent to walk the stations of the cross together. Dinner itself is without agenda. And then about 6.30, those who like to stay for about a 20-minute um, faith-prompted conversation are welcome to stay. Um, but the idea is that the main event is the meal. Right. And that there, there's no string to that. Um, so you can absolutely just come for the free meal and the fellowship and jet. And that is like not only allowable, it's part of the, the hope and intention. Yeah. Um, then there's also faith and foundation Sunday school classes, which take place at nine o'clock on Sundays for folks who want to uh, use Lent as a, a formation time toward one of those ends like... Uh, like confirmation or renewal of, of baptismal vows, that sort of thing. 
But apart from sort of the, the structured pieces, there will also be those opportunities to say, um, how, how do I feel called to live my days a little differently this season? Probably you have most frequently encountered in your life that question um, through, the, through the lens, something like, what am I giving up for Lent? But, but I find it more helpful to, to think in terms of a turning or reorientation. Um, <clears throat> Jared, I had a couple things I was going to share that I think I shared with you earlier that I'm going to be using and inviting folks to share, uh, but they're mostly for my benefit for this season. There are ways that you have begun thinking about how you want to use that time leading up to the Easter feast. Uh, yeah, we were talking earlier about our, our, our feelings about um, devotional books, and um, maybe they're not the most positive. Maybe maybe we don't have the most positive you and me perspectives, right? Right, right. Um, on those, um, but there was there was one that I picked up a few years ago um, that I, I bought because th- uh, the illustrator um, for this book um, is someone whose whose work that I admire, and um, he wrote it with a. Uh, a musician, and it's um, just 40 days of prayer, and it's kind of a a, a, a prayerful meditation each day um, that I'm I'm I'll probably be picking up this year to walk through. But it's from um, Scott Erickson and uh, Justin Mc, Justin McRoberts, I think is his name. Um, Scott Erickson is the the uh, artist who I have I like some of the things that he does, and so excellent. Oh, that's great. Justin McRoberts, you said? Yeah. There used to be a... I think there was a Duke basketball player by that name. I I wouldn't swear by it, though. Maybe. Similarly, I have a devotional that... And this one I think I will be sharing with the community. By sharing, I mean we're going to put an online opportunity for folks to to share their reflections on it as we go along. Um, But I, I don't really... I find myself with a kind of a love-hate with devotionals. There's a lot of shouldism that goes with it. Uh, and sometimes you feel that even on the writer's part with kind of platitudes or other things. But one that I have just checked out a little bit that I have really enjoyed so far is by Kat Armas, who is a Cuban-American um, writer. Her her other major work is Abuelita Faith, which is... Uh, is another one I'm really looking forward to checking out. But she describes it as a devotion for people who have almost given up on devotionals. And after I read the first one, I was like, yes, that is one, me, but two, like what she's offering as a devotion for folks. Like it it really hits the mark. So uh, be looking St. Jamesers. We're going to have some online opportunities, a closed Facebook group, something like that. So that if you want to just if you want to just travel a week of the journey with us, you'll know exactly what's being read by the group that week. And we're encouraging folks to share just a, a glimpse, a two minute blurb or a, a paragraph of of what God shows you um, along the way in that. And then the other the other work I'm going to be looking at and we probably won't have a class on it. So I just offer it as a resource is a different kind of fast Um I'm sorry. I'm realizing that with Kat Armas's work, I don't believe I shared the name of it. It's called Sacred Belonging. This is the 40-day devotional, Sacred Belonging, a 40-day devotion on the liberating heart of Scripture. <clears throat> but the the other one, uh, 
is called A Different Kind of Fast, and it's a book by Christine Volters Painter, who is an oblate, Christian oblate and artist. And uh, she's talking about how a lot of times when we think of fasting, we think of giving up chocolate or the cigarettes or, or something unhealthy or food related, but the, there are other kinds of fasts available to us. So I wanted to read just a two sentence um, reflection from her in the hopes that it might inspire your own imagination as you consider the practices that you are going to invoke, use, pick up to walk through the season of Lent. She writes, ultimately, the practice of fasting is about making more space within us to encounter our deepest, most radiant selves. How do we listen to the whispers of the Holy One when we constantly distract ourselves with social media and doom scrolling? How, we, how do we discover the radical abundance available to us, not of food or entertainment, but of nourishing gifts like joy, peace, love, and gratitude? How do we make room for the grief inside us which is a witness to how much we have loved if we are fighting to be strong and keep control in an unpredictable world. So kind of using that as her springboard, she talks about fasting from anxiety. I have no idea how to fast from anxiety, but I'm intrigued by the thought of kind of <clears throat> digging into some of these, these uh, deep roots and habits and patterns of being and, and trying to explore alternatives. I'm really also grateful for and intrigued by the, the idea of um, fasting from those things that destroy, uh, looking towards those things that give life and seeing in that a little bit of a, a microcosm, an echo of what our baptismal promise asks of us to renounce those things which would draw us from the love of God and to turn towards those things um, that draw us closer to Jesus. I was, I was talking to my son, Jude, the other day, Jared, about um, recently I, I, I had written a little article about uh, choosing sobriety, going, giving up alcohol, and he was asking me some questions about it. And the, the best way I could figure out how to talk to, to him about it was like there are some things in life that don't keep their promises, and there are some things that do. And he's like, well, what do you mean, Dad? I was like, alcohol for me in my, my life and experience, like never kept its promise. I would drink a beer to relax, and my sleep would get worse. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff, right? So it, it always, And so I would think, well, maybe I just didn't drink enough of one, so I'll drink two, and then I'll be really tired. But it, it's still like you can measure sleep quality. It didn't keep its promise. I said, there are other things in life that do keep it, their promises. And he's like, what? I was like, my time with you, like it keeps its promise. We don't, he and I don't always like see eye to eye on everything, but I've never spent time with him where I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have seen that coming. Right. Um, and, and so to, um, and, and he and I talked about it. He's like, yeah, you know, um, the time on the internet doesn't always keep its promise. Aziz Ansari says the internet is like the worst the worst, most addictive novel you've ever tried to put down. Right. There's something like that. Yeah. So, so I think uh, Catherine Valters Painter's framework for imagining this, looking at those things that give life and those things that don't, um, and asking us to be honest about where we put our time and attention and about a little reflective about those things that don't keep their promises is, is uh, potentially a really neat way to get at what the baptismal 
covenant is all about. So that book is, again, is called A Different Kind of Fast. And then the one we'll be doing the study on together online, kind of self-paced, independent study in community is a Sacred Belonging, a 40-day devotion to the liberating heart of Scripture. And we're still working out how that... Oh, totally. Yeah, the online, all of that is going to work. Again, shock to everyone. We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're still working out some aspects of it. Right. Uh, we've got time. We've got time. And you've got time. Yeah. If you're like, oh my gosh, I'm listening to this podcast. I haven't given any time to thinking about Lynn. I'm just trying to figure out when my kids are going to school next at where. And where, where. We feel you. We got you. Right. As of today, you're not listening to this today, but as of today... It's February 1st. Right. Lent doesn't start till Valentine's. That's right. half a month away. You've got time. Yeah. So deep breath. God loves you no matter what. And if it's helpful to make some reflective space, um, not just for the space that you'll make, but to make a space that will kind of leak out onto the other corners of your life um, in, in life-giving ways, like, we're here for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is that is that a good place to stop? I think so. I mean, it 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 landed. It kind of landed. We we may have obstructed the landing on our own, mm. but it seemed to have. Uh, Was that the perfect episode? Is that what you're suggesting? I, that's bold. It's bold to say that um, that the first episode of season two is going to be the perfect episode. But I, at I the end of the of season. Yeah. We'll let you decide. Was it, was, this is our question. <laughs> was this not just the, what, not just our best. I don't even know what that would mean. Was this the perfect podcast episode ever Oh wow! in the history of podcasts? See, now you're getting all in your ego and, <laughs> and, and we're, we're, you can answer that question. I'm not going to tell you whether to or not, but, but, uh, we're just going to be faithful to do it or attempt to at least. Yeah. <laughs> attempted faithfulness. Um, we will with God's help. Like the, the, the acknowledgement of our own limitations built into even the best promises we're given as right. Christians. Right. Uh, and we will join you probably, we won't even wait till March because this is technically our January episode. Absolutely. And uh, so we'll see you before March. Um, for those who are like trying to map or, or just good at like, all right, so remember, Valentine's Day, Lent starts. Day before, John Page Memorial Gourmet <laughs> Syrup. At the Shrove Tuesday dinner. At the Shrove Tuesday din dinner in the parish hall. March 31st, March 31st, Easter. The last time we had Ash Wednesday on the 14th, Valentine's Day, Easter was April Fool's Day. So there was a fun little juxtaposition there. But leap year messed that up this year. It's always messing things up. Leap year. I had a good friend who was born on a leap year. I, I don't, or not just on a leap year, on leap day. He's like four years old or something. I don't know. Um, I don't know how you do that. You just don't celebrate until every four years. Yeah. So, uh, so like anyway. Do, it's dog years? Is it like dog years? Is that how it works? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So March, March 31st is Easter Day, and then the season of Easter continues all through April into May. Yeah. And 
before you know it, we'll be living some of those summer parables out in the community. And so it is, it is, uh, just a real, I, I say this a lot, but never too much. It is a joy and gift to be given the life of faith together to walk with one another. And we're really grateful for your company on this podcast portion of it um, and excited to be exploring the different tables of our lives with you. So thank you for listening today. We'll um, see you next time. Absolutely. And until then, God's good peace. Podcasting the Parables is a ministry of St. James Episcopal Church in the Lake Highlands neighborhood of Dallas, Texas, produced by Jared Ferris, with music arranged and produced by Matthew Melton. I'm Jonathan Melton, priest and rector of St. James Episcopal Church and School, and we will see you again next time.